I shared it two weeks ago when we were here about the vow of David that keeps on living, that changed history. Even after seven years of Babylon, the vow of David changed that history. Whenever you found the children of Israel in captivity, there was a vow that David vowed, his heart of establishing a place for God that would end the captivity. David had a passion for the to, to have a place, not just a physical place, but a place established for God's presence. I want you to see in Psalms 132, verse 1. Psalms 132. Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He made a solemn promise to the Lord, or it says he swore. And he vowed, say vowed. He vowed. He vowed to the mighty one of Israel. I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. I will not let my eyes sleep. Nor close my eyelids in slumber. Until I find a place to build a house for the Lord. A sanctuary for the mighty one of Israel. We heard that the ark was in Ephrathah. Then we found in a distant countryside of Jar. Let us go to the sanctuary of the Lord and let us worship. Let us what? Worship. worship at His footstool of His throne. Up, O Lord, arise and enter into your resting place, along with the ark which is symbol of your power. How many of you know He was devoted to build a presence for God? Amen. Verse 7 says, Let us go into the sanctuary of the Lord and let us worship. At the footstool of his throne. And I won't go back over everything that I shared two weeks ago. But that word worship means to prostrate some. To prostrate. It means to rub the forehead upon the carpet. It means to drag oneself in the presence of God. But I shared with you, it also means to request that, to beg as the request of a beggar. And as I was thinking today, as we were in New Orleans... There were beggars on the side of the road, but they weren't beggars. They had nice clothes on compared to beggars I've seen in third world countries. You know a beggar when you see one. They're so dirty. Their hair has not been combed in probably months. Hay and corn and whatever they find in the trash is all over in their beard. Many times their pants is down to their, their knees exposing all their nakedness because they've lost their mind. I've seen real beggars. And what he's saying here is that if we really want to get into the... I want to establish a place of worship. i got to the, get to the point to where I am begging, uh, begging for your presence in my life. And I started thinking, and I want to challenge you know this, I started thinking, how many beggars were the ones who got healed in the days of Jesus? How about blind Bartimaeus? What was he doing on the side of the road? And when they told him to shut up, what did he do? What did he do? And the man who was a, a crippled from birth at the gate of the temple. At, since birth, he was at the temple's gate. And he was crippled from birth. And he was doing what? He was begging. Who got healed? The beggar got healed. 
And, you know, we've gotten a lot of mentality over the years to where we have already arrived. And because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, we don't have to. We've been taught against begging. But I believe that David didn't worry about what people thought. There's a place that you get to a position of a beggar to where I've got to have Jesus. And I've got to have the spirit of God. And I've got to see the glory of God that I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I smell like. I don't care what's happening to the hair. I don't care what's happening to the makeup. I don't care what's going on in my life. I've got to have Jesus. I've got to have true worship. You said that you're desiring those who will worship you in spirit and in truth. And if I've got to get on the ground, and if I've got to move around, and if I've got to spend my time, and I've got to say, I can't go home. I'm not worried about the time. I'm not worried about eating. I'm not worried about what I'm looking like. I've got to have Jesus. It's those who get into that position of begging God for more of His presence. We, the church, we don't beg God. We remind Him of His Word and He says to do it. We decree His Word and He says to do it. But I believe what we haven't been doing is we have not been the type of beggar. We have not been the Samaritan beggar that when he got healed with the other nine, they went to the temple. But he says, wait a minute, I got to go back and I got to worship him. Because when you're in a state where all you know to survive will be begging. I have to beg to survive. My passion has to get violent for the things of God. And David was saying... I've got to have more than just a kingdom. It's not about having the perfect song. I want a new song. And I don't care if they say, well, you know, David, this song don't rhyme. It's not about rhymes. It's about what he wants to hear. It's about what he wants to hear. And I believe there's a transition and I believe that there's a whirlwind and I know there's a whirlwind in here right now and I know there's a whirlwind that's come in here since months now. And I know that people, things have come and things have gone and things have changed and things have happened. But there's a whirlwind. But not everybody's going to cross over Jordan with the spirit of Elijah. Some are going to stay saying, well, let's see what's going to happen. Let's see if he's taken today. But David says, I'm going to prepare the, as we're going to, if we don't have time, I'm going to prepare not only a place for the ark, but I'm going to prepare a golden chariot for God. Solomon, I got all this gold and I want you to build a chariot for God because God is going to come in a chariot into this place as we worship and we praise him. David, as it says in the word, was given solemn commands on how he was to build the temple and all the things inside of the temple for God to come and, and, and to place himself. And oh, that's going to change America. Is the church don't mind going 12 hours begging God, we need a revival. We need mercy. We need forgiveness. We need your blessing. Lord, we're not here saying, we, Lord, it's not how many books we've written. It's not how many tapes we have. It's not how many churches we built. It's not how much things we have done. Lord, it's none of these things. We can't impress you. But Lord, our nation needs to be impressed by you. The churches in America need to be impressed by you once again. They've got to be moved to where we're on the floor and we're begging, don't stop. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. More, Lord. More, Lord. I will not give sleep to my eyelids. I cannot rest in perfect peace. I don't even want to go back to my home. 
until, Lord, you've given me what I'm begging for. So many believers, five years, ten years, fifteen years, Pastor, I'm still addicted. Recommend another book. Well, I'm recommending get on your face and beg. It's the beggars. Go read all the beggars who got something. Read about the beggars who got something. I think we need to be like the four lepers who said, well, I sit here till we die. We're, we're beggars anyway. Let's go beg in the enemy's camp now. And what happened? The provision of the Lord was made for them in the entire city. Come in. Mm. There's something there. As I saw this once again begging, I shared with you about when I was a kid and mom and, mom and dad, I could hear them watching TV in the living room and I was constantly, Mama, I need water. Mama, I'm thirsty. Mama, I'm hungry. And after eight glasses of water, you know, it's like, son, you better go to sleep. But I didn't want to miss anything because they were laughing and having a good time watching Johnny Carson or something. And I started thinking about my kids. You ever remember when your babies would fight sleep? They were so exhausted. Their heads would go to the side, but they did not want to sleep. They would do everything they could to try to stay awake. Well, if God hasn't spoken to me yet, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to stay awake. Lord, you said you're going to speak to me tonight. You want me to tell you about begging? You want me to tell you something about what we saw in the third world countries when the people would come from three three states away 30-something hours by bus to come to church just because they heard healings were happening? When you're begging, you know there's, there's no other source. There's no doctor, no medicine, no insurance. There's nobody who can help you but God. So I'm going to go where God is, and I'm going to just put me on the steps, and I either die or I get healed, but I'm going to stay there. And they're willing to do anything because they want it so bad. I believe in America, we've got to get to the point where we want it so bad. We haven't eaten in three days. Oh, I hope somebody comes get put something in my cup today because I'm hungry. Hadn't had a decent night's sleep in a long time. I hope somebody comes and gives me something so I can buy something to cover me or I can sleep somewhere more comfortable tonight. I started thinking about when he said that worship means to beg as a beggar. To request with intimacy. David said in Psalms 27, 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold, say to behold, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to acquire in His temple. The message trans- translation says, I will contemplate His beauty and I'll study, I'll study at His feet. The word behold means... It's the word used for the visions of the prophets. I want the visions of the prophets. And it was used in poetry in the Hebrew. And it speaks of the roots of the plants perceiving and filling their ways around stones until they find the water. It's the perception that I, I, the plant, I, I'm not, I haven't got, the, got to the source of water yet. 
but I can smell it and I can tell that even though I, I can't see it and I can't feel it and there's stones all around, but I'm going to find that reservoir of water and I'm going to tap into it and then I'm going to drink my life supply and I'm going to live with this river of water underneath the ground that nobody else sees but I see. And that's what it's talking there. That's what we saw last two weeks ago in Exodus and we saw in Nehemiah and we saw in the book of Job that though I don't see it with my natural eyes, my spirit is perceiving. There's something that God is wanting to say. There's something that God is wanting to tell me. There's something that God is wanting me to do. There's, there's a new song. There's a new song. There's a new song that God's wanting to come alive with. Look with me in Isaiah 42 because people say, what are you talking about this new song? We sang about it today. So I, I'm just going to uh, jump over there right quick. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 10. Then I'm going to give you just a few things and then I'm going to let these young ladies back. But how many want to perceive and have the visions of the prophets? Mm. It says here in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 10. I love the message translation. Sing to God a brand new song. Say a brand new song. The other translation says a new song, but a brand new song. Sing his praises all over the world. Joy, you're going to Africa this week. You're going to sing his praises in Africa. Hallelujah. And we're going to be singing with you. Tuesday, we'll be here in intercession, praying and interceding for you on your trip to Africa. And it says, Let the sea and the fish give a round of applause. And talks about the islands and let the desert... And its camps raise a tune. And then it goes on to talk about the villages and make God's glory resound. Say that with me. Make God's glory resound. And echo. Listen, it says echo his praises from coast to coast. Echo his praises. And then then look what it says. After it talks about praising and singing God a new song and worshiping. Look what it says. God steps out like he means business. This is the message translation. Then God steps out like he means business and you can see he's primed for action. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. This is what we're waiting for. God steps out and we can see he's primed and he's ready for action. He's ready to fill his people. He's ready to reveal himself to his people. He's ready for his cloud to come down. And then it goes on. He steps out like he means business. You can see he's primed for action. He shouts and announces his revival. And now listen, he takes charge. And his enemies fall into line. The Lord says, I've been quiet long enough. I've held back biting my tongue. But now I'm letting loose and I'm letting go. And he goes on to talk about being like a woman in travail. How many are ready to hear God speak like that? Amen. I believe that's what God is doing. I believe he's stirring the things up in our spirits to hear things. We may not even totally understand, but it feels good. You may be singing a song like David. It don't make it don't rhyme like these songs today rhyme. And, and it may not sound all that good. And you may not sound all that good. But it feels good. It feels good. And you know, David wanted to establish a tabernacle that changed history from generation to generation. And the book of Acts and Zephaniah said that his, uh, his tabernacle would be restored. But it says in Revelations 4, 
8 says that the living creatures do not rest day or night. And remember I shared with you two weeks ago that that word worship also to build your house means eternal without time, no beginning and no end. And here we hear about these uh, four living creatures that do not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy. And do you know that these four living creatures are the closest things to God's throne? These four living things are the closest things to God's throne. And that's what David was wanting to do. Those nearest God's throne must come in agreement through worship and intercession. So how many of you ever heard about the seven spirits of God? You hear about it in Revelation all the time. Let me give you the words to a new song. And you copyright it as your song. Because how many want to be in agreement with heaven? Well, let me just give you this and, and, and I'll end. Just write this down. In Revelations chapter 5, verse 12, these are the seven words used by the angels before the throne of God. Never again can anyone of any age say, I don't know how to worship God. I'm going to give you seven words that the angels say 24-7. Are you ready? And you make songs out of this. These are the seven words that is in Revelations 5.12. Number one, power. Power. Number two, riches. Number three, wisdom. Number four, strength. Number five, honor. Number six, glory. And number seven, blessing. I'll go over them again. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Take those seven words and make up your own song. Take those seven words and pray them daily. And you will be as this created beings that are the closest to God's throne. Now write down Revelation 7, 12, and also verse 10, and let me give you the sevenfold declarations of the angels, the elders, the saints, and the sephirims. Let me give you the sevenfold words right there in Revelation 7. Blessing. Glory. Wisdom. Thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. I'll repeat these seven. Seven is a completion of the Lord. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. How many know that's 14 words right there? Write down Revelation 4.9 and let me give you the threefold praises of the angel before the throne of God. The threefold praises by the angels declared there is glory, honor, and thanks. Glory, honor, and thanks. The three words of praise in Revelations 4 verse 11 that are declared by the elders day and night is glory, honor, and power. Glory, honor, and power. Are you with me? 
Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. The fourfold words of praise before the throne of God. Listen, these four words are declared by the creation. Remember we just read in Isaiah that the fish is praising God and the islands are resounding. What are they saying? It tells us, Revelation 5.13, the fourfold words declared by all creation. What are the birds, the islands, the trees? What are they saying? Blessing, honor, glory, and power. Blessing, honor, glory, and power. Now, creation is saying these four words. And we're told that everywhere that our feet tread, we can take it for the Lord. Can you imagine that if we start walking, praising with those four words, we are in agreement. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you imagine if we're going around worshiping God with blessing, honor, glory, and power, and all of creation is singing blessing, glory, honor, and power, and we come in agreement before the throne of God, be with the saints, the elders, the angels, all the created beings, and the creation and the universe and the stars are singing glory, power and honor and praise. And then we are joining in. Can you imagine the symphony and let the devil out sing, let the devil out shout, let any demon principality or power be able to say anything when the church, when the God's children, creation, the universe, the heavens, everything is in one huge symphony praising God and using these glorious words to exalt God like David. Can you? you imagine what is able to happen? And then write down Revelation 19, verse 1. The fourfold. Listen, you may as well learn these words because you're, you're going to have to say it if you want to be the bride. Because this is the declaration from the bride. You know how we practice, uh, I do. And you know, we married your daughter a while back and you had to practice who gives this bride in marriage. Her mother and I do. Well, listen, this is what you're going to have to say before God if you want to be the bride. If you don't want to be for the bride, that's right, go to hell and holler. But if you want to be the bride of Christ, it says this is what you're going to be singing. Salvation, glory, honor, and power. And I think that if we would sing that once in a while, Jesus would all of a sudden start getting excited and say, wait a minute, my bride's singing to me ahead of time. She's singing to me ahead of time. It's not time for the wedding yet. But she's already singing that our love. There. She's singing our love song. My bride is singing to me. She's singing about salvation and glory and honor and power be unto the Lamb. And, and, and all these words of worship. And we say, I don't know how to worship. I don't know what to say. Don't call on me to pray, Pastor. I don't know what to say. Well, you got over 20 words right now. And they're all heaven's words. And you write these down, and I think if you would start your devotion, Father, yours is the power and the riches and the wisdom and the strength and the honor and the glory and the blessing with thanksgiving and might. I bless you and I honor you for yours is the salvation and the glory and the honor and power. And just allow these words to just start stirring in your spirit and then start singing these words unto the Lord. I promise you that if you would do this, your life has to change. Or I will resign. Because either His word is true or it's not. 
And I won't work for a boss who cannot stand behind his word. But I know that my boss is the God of the universe. And if you will put your faith and your trust in him, there is nothing impossible with my God. He, I'm 45 and I've known him since 1969 and he has never failed me. He has showed himself the God over malaria, autism, busted eardrums, vehicle problems, planes on fire. Whatever it's been, he's been the God who comes through. And he will always be my God who always comes through. And if anybody has to give up and quit, it has to be Satan. It has to be the demons of hell. Because the glory and the power and the honor and the might and the thanksgiving and the blessing is all to our mind and your God. He cannot fail. Y'all want to get back up there? Take these songs and sing a song with them?